Welcome to a bonus episode of the Living Room Podcast. This is Ben, and I'm excited about today's episode because we are going to have a conversation based on questions some of you submitted on the topic of love, sex, and dating. We've got our director, Matt Hayes, joining us today, as well as a special guest, our friend, Kate Sewell. So get ready as we have a helpful conversation about how to navigate the area of dating and relationships as a college student or young adult. What's up, TLR? Hey, I'm here. This is Ben. I'm with Matt and Kate. How you guys doing? Yeah, hey, Kate, you just literally wrapped up our series, Riz, Roses, Red Flags. You just spoke like 30 minutes ago. I I just got to know, how are you feeling right now? I feel good. (laughs) I I feel good. Is this like the best way to decompress? Is... It's the best. Yeah. I love just diving yeah. right back in. After to the you deep talk end. 40 minutes, let's talk more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're fine. No, you it honestly, it flew by. I really enjoy this topic. And like I said in the message, I feel like it's not talked about enough. So I'm yep. happy to talk about it more. Yep. Well, we are going to go talk about it more because, um, hey, over the last several weeks, if you've been tracking with us at TLR, we've been in the series um, called Riz, Roses, and Red Flags. Matt, do you know what Riz means? Or did that, you know what Riz means? Uh, now I do. <laughs> Why quit aging me, Ben? I, I didn't know what it meant either. Me either. You, Not you, gonna lie. No, no. But, but now I do too. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Charisma. Yeah. It, it makes awesome. Louis Giglio got up at Passion and said, "Hey, how's your Riz?" And the whole place lost their minds. And so we were like, oh, "That's the word we're gonna use." Yeah. And, and mm. with works. roses and red it flags, worked. it worked. But yeah, and the good. last couple of weeks we've been uh, in this series where we've been talking. The, it's about the modern guide for love, sex, and dating for a college student or someone in this co- season of life. Mm-hmm. And over the, this is the first time we've ever done this before, but Matt, I love this idea. We've been allowing students to sort of submit some questions, a little yeah. Q&A, to, you know, if they have more questions about this topic. So we're going to take some time over the next little bit to sort of answer some of these questions that maybe some of you have submitted. So Matt, are you ready to jump in with this man? Yeah. So thanks for texting into the Riz Hotline. The Riz Hotline. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they named it. And I was like, that's perfectly terrible. I yeah. love you know it what? though. I <laughs> love it. I wish I had that voice. Matt or Kate, can you give me like your uh I sound nothing like the guy from the bumper video. <laughs> good. That's a good I'm thing. I'm like, Kate. oh my gosh, he's so smooth. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, I don't have that radio voice either. No. So. And we're back for the Riz. Ho- oh, I was. Yeah, go- I'm sorry. I'm I was done. gonna go more like soul. Like, hey, welcome to. I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> That's really good. Every, is every, it? Everybody just stop listening. If you're still listening <laughs> at this point, thank you for your grace. Don't judge All us. right, let's get to our first question. Let's get to our first question. I love it. Hey, um, so we're gonna sort of track sort of how we did the series, sort of jump around a little bit too but um this first question that uh, one of you submitted was this it's a great question and it's what boundaries should i have when dating like where's the line where's the line when it comes to physical boundaries or emotional boundaries or mm. even spiritual boundaries so when you guys want to jump in i would say that's probably the most common question that someone's going to ask whenever they got like a little moral yeah compass trigger of wanting to know yeah. what to do um and i love the way that I think you can approach this as looking at the boundary from different angles. Like there are, it's not just one boundary. We're not just talking about things you're doing physically. Uh, I think it's really important to designate. There are physical boundaries. There are emotional boundaries. I would say there are relational boundaries. 
And then there are also spiritual boundaries. And so we can talk quickly through each of those. But you want to talk on one of them, Kate? You want to jump in? Uh, what, what's the line for you? I mean, I think, I think more important than having boundaries is like having the conversation about boundaries, like making sure that you and whoever you're dating are talking about those things and feel the same way about those things. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this, but I'm like that when I started looking, um, for someone, I was like, I want to, I want to be with somebody that shares my values that doesn't just respect them, but that actually shares them. Cause I just feel like it's an uphill battle. If you don't, um, you're just Mm kind of going against the grain, but also the like boundaries versus guardrails thing. Like, I feel like people that are like, what should my boundaries be? Like boundaries can be such a dangerous word. It's like, think of it more of guardrails because guardrails come before your boundaries and guardrails are the things that protect you from going off the road. So if your guardrails are in place, the idea is that you, even if you sort of dance with that line, you're still going to be okay because you're further from the actual boundary that you've set for yourself. So that's Mm -hmm. a really big difference that I learned. Yeah. Separating them to talk about it in that capacity. Mm -hmm. It's just wiser. It's just smarter, period. I would say to quickly run through them, and then I'd love for you all to jump on what you think about these. To me, the idea of physical boundaries. um, Do you guys have any rules? If it, I mean, my... my, You talked about this week, too. I did. To me, the the clearest, easiest thing is you should... (laughs) It all comes down to being alone. Yeah. Being alone is just not good. So if you can stay vertical and you can stay visible, like, that's the thing. Because if you're standing up and you're in public and things are still happening, there's probably some other issues we need to talk yeah. about. Yeah, that'd be a little awkward. But the moment you get horizontal and the moment you get alone, that is when things happen. And so actually physical boundaries, I think one of the biggest things that, that I would tell students or college students or young adults all the time, actually go on dates. Like yeah. sitting in your room with the door closed is not a date. Yeah. You're not getting to know any part of them except their body. And that ain't mm-hmm. a date. And so... Putting yourself in a wise position, that's the guardrail. Yeah. Not putting yourself where that temptation may lie is the super important piece there. To quickly hit through them, emotional boundaries are very important because if you don't have emotional boundaries up and city walls up to protect what both is coming in and what's coming out, you're going to find yourself in a codependent situation. Mm -hmm. And that is the most unhealthy relationship you can possibly be in. And so if you've ever been in a relationship where you feel like it just got super heavy, super quick, like you microwave yourself into the, the fast track on this thing. You're probably crossing emotional boundaries that just need time. Yeah. You, you need to marinate that season. You can't microwave it. You've got to actually take time getting to know that person. And if you ever get to the point, this is the biggest question. If you ever get to the point where you feel like you can, where you cannot answer accurately, that if they left, you would be okay, mm-hmm. you've crossed emotional boundaries. Because the moment you feel like you need them in order for you to be okay, that is when it becomes codependent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have that in relationships. I would say relationally, the boundary is making sure you still have friends. This is something I see with so college-age students important. all the time. You're, yeah, you, get, you get in a relationship, and all of a sudden... You fall off the face. Yeah. No right. one knows where up you went. Yeah. And, and, where here, and here's he? the deal. Here's the deal. Like We all see that in our friends. Yeah. But it's so hard to see that in us. When For it sure. Because yeah. we get so consumed with that relationship. But mm-hmm. it's such an important boundary to have. It's almost like a... Um, 
It's something that happens after the emotional boundaries have been crossed. Because whenever those other boundaries are crossed, you start finding so much of yourself in that other person that you start giving all your time to them. And then all of a sudden, your friendships start to fall away. The community and the crew that you have. It's like what Kate talked about Mm -hmm. tonight. The reality that you need to have a life outside of this person. Because you're not married yet. Right. You're not one person. You don't have that kind of circle. So that's the relational boundary you got to make sure you have. And then the last one that never gets talked about that I think is very important is having a spiritual boundary. Larson and I did not pray together until we got married. Mm. And the reason why is because I think when you cross a physical boundary, you tether yourself to that other person. Yeah, They are a part of your story now. And the exact same way spiritually, when you start experiencing spiritual things with God and you associate that with the person you're dating and then that person leaves, you now have an imprint or a, a ghost or a moment or a memory and what that experience is that you're tying into the other person. Mm. So now the next time I go to church and I worship, I'm going to think about the other person yeah. while I'm sitting next to my wife. Like, I just want to avoid any of those things because when you are married, there is a spiritual connection that occurs mm. where two becoming one means you're a unified front in front of God, this covenant relationship with God. And I don't want to bring anything else into in before that. And so... A lot of times couples, Christian couples think they're doing the right thing by praying together. And I think it's a very slippery slope. My personal wisdom opinion would be, I would not. I would make sure it's in circles, it's in bigger settings, that you may share what's going on in your spiritual life, but you are not connected in your spiritual life Mm. until you are connected as one spiritually, which is what happens in marriage. Man, that's so good. Kate, did you have any out of those four, is there any like practical boundary that you said? You know, Dave and I didn't say I love you until we got engaged. So I love that. (laughs) I know. That that was the same with Madeline and I. We we did it. That was an emotional boundary that we, um, and I could say it it was probably a spiritual boundary as well of Mm -hmm. just choosing not to use that word because. We just didn't want to a take it take that word lightly. For sure. Um, I mean, we I I cared for her. We mm-hmm. she cared for me. We knew that, but just that that phrase and that word that we just didn't want to just be flippant about. Yeah. About those words. It's like I don't want to say that to anyone. Like I, the only person I want to say that to ever again is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. That's right. And it it packed so much meaning because of mm. that exclusivity. I'm sure. Um, yeah. It wasn't drowned out by Mm-mm. over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That was question number one. So question we're going to keep going. Buckle up. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So uh, this one, we, we had a couple students who you guys have asked about this. and um, But for the student who – I'm going to sort of rephrase this question a little mm. bit uh, to sort of summarize it. But for the student who has crossed those physical boundaries, for the student who maybe has – had sex with her boyfriend or girlfriend, um, but they want to, you know, they heard Matt's message from week two, and they were like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit that. I wanna, I want, I want God's best for my marriage. I want God's best for this area of my life." Um, how do you do that, and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, are you sort of, you know, with all the potential shame that could come with that, with the, you know, am I sort of spoiled? Like, that those are the things that we think about, right? Mm-hmm. When we mess up, mm-hmm. how, how do we sort of turn the corner and continue to start pursuing God in this area of our life? I think there's a good question. two directions you go with this answer. I'll take the first and Kate, you can see the second. <laughs> um, there's a spiritual answer to this and there's a physical answer to this. Like how do you stop and turn the corner physically? You literally stop. <laughs> like it's a choice. 
Yeah. Just stop doing it. You can stop. You are in control of your body. Your body is not in control of you. And they are not in control of your body if they are not married to you. And even when they are married to you, they are not in control of your body. You are in control. So you get to choose whether or not you put yourself in that situation and make that decision. So physically, you can stop. How do you turn that corner spiritually to work on that? That's where it gets a little trickier. It's a, it's a little less practical um, and a little, it can be a little messier, but as I would say even more important. You walked that. I mean, yeah, path, though. That, that was my, that was my story that I shared, you know, in week two, the Larson and I had sex one time before we got married and it was, uh, it was, it was real tough, like emotionally afterwards, just knowing, knowing what we did, mm-hmm. knowing the, the weight that I'd been having for this, my entire life. And then at 23, here I am. And I'm like, I'm not a virgin anymore. I mean, it was crushing. Mm -hmm. And we just made the decision that physically we wouldn't do that. But then spiritually, we asked God for forgiveness. We asked for him to help us in navigating the next situations because we're super attracted to each other. That's why we were dating. I mean, like, you're not going to date someone that you're not attracted to physically. So we wanted each other in that way, but we wanted God's design. We wanted his desire within his design for our relationship. And so we asked for his help. And then I think, I think if you choose to pursue wisdom together, that can also set you up to where you start to see each other the way that God sees them. Um, but also see yourself the way that God sees you. And when it, whenever you're in the relationship, it can be hard to get to that point mm. because you're going to associate the shame, the pain, the guilt, the things you've done. But the other side of this is you may not have done anything, but they may have. Yeah. They may have a past. Or maybe it's flipped. Maybe you've got a past, but they mm-hmm. don't. And the exact same core is still there. You've got to figure out how to see them the way God sees them. And if they are a forgiven follower of Jesus, he sees them as clean. He sees them as white, as snow, as pure. I mean, like, there is no differentiation between someone who's never had sex and someone who's had sex a lot. If you are wanting to be a follower of Jesus, you've asked for his forgiveness, he's forgiven you of that, then you are forgiven and you are clean and you are pure and you have not cost yourself anything of a blessing within your marriage. God can still overwhelmingly bless you with a wonderful spouse and with a wonderful sex life in your marriage. Now, there are consequences to those decisions. For sure. You will have to have a really hard conversation with your spouse one day. Being naked and unashamed means, in terms of my past, my mistakes, all of me, that conversation will not be fun. And so you can save yourself a lot of regret and a lot of heartache by making sure you have those boundaries now. But that's a separate conversation. That's a separate piece to the reality of when God looks at you and he views you, if you've asked for his forgiveness and you've chosen to actually follow him and be obedient to him, you're forgiven. There aren't stipulations. It's not a half forgiveness. You're not like, <laughs> you're not off white. Like you're not beige. Like yeah. you're as white as snow. Mm. And that is, it's so important both to see yourself in that light and also to see the other person whenever they've made mistakes before you and they come in with baggage Getting to that point is huge because if you don't, you're always going to end up in some part of you holding it against them. Yeah, that resentment will yes build up against them. Kate, do you have any 
or the comment on it? I remember that conversation. And it was not fun. Yeah. It sucked. And it was not because Dave was making me feel any kind of way. I just had so much. I was just sad that that was Mm -hmm. the story that I was sharing at that point with him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember it. Um, And he was so gracious. And I definitely am so grateful for for that but it was difficult like I feel like people don't talk about that enough of like at some point you're gonna have to talk about this with your person and you you can make that conversation a little easier on yourself you know (laughs) but I would say too like in just the um like the willpower aspect like I think mentally for me this did not shift until I started to think about my future spouse like in the relationship that I was in the dating relationship specifically until I started to consider my future spouse knowing that it may not be that person Mm -hmm. that I'm with at that very moment Mm -hmm. I want to behave now that is honoring to my husband then Mm -hmm. in the future and that changed everything. And you're also being honoring to the person that will end up with the person you're with. You know what I mean? Like for yeah. sure. Yes. If I'm dating someone and they don't end up with me, yeah. I'm causing them so much harm mm-hmm. that they will have to unpack because of my selfish desires that I can't control. Yeah. I mean that it's a when you start think when you zoom out and you look at the big picture, it just becomes yeah, there's so much there is so much heartache. And it doesn't have to be from the shame, right? It's just simply from the the repercussions, mm-hmm. the natural consequences. Yeah. yeah. To our because decisions. of how powerful sex is. That's I mean, right. It's mm-hmm. a powerful. Uh, one of the ways I've heard described is, you know, uh, sex is like a fire, right? Mm-hmm. And fire in a fireplace is great. In the confines mm-hmm. of a fireplace, a fire is warm. You know, sit, sit by the fireplace, kind of cozy. Yeah. <laughs> But outside, but you put a fire in a forest, unconfined. I mean, it, it think of the damage that it does. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but but sex is powerful. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of the consequences that we have to deal with. But you know, to you know, if you're listening and you know you you found yourself in a place where it's like, man, I've gone too far. This this has been a part of all my relationships, or just ha- just happened, and I, I want to change. Like, I want we want you to know that there's nothing irredeemable. For like, sure. God isn't a business of redeeming stories 100 and it's it's a matter of like matt what you're saying like going to him seeking that forgiveness from the lord he can you can have an unbelievable marriage and have a sexual history Mm -hmm. you can't it's but it's a matter of going to the lord experiencing that forgiveness yeah um experiencing the grace he offers and then also processing and healing from your past. And here's the too. the biggest way that I think I was able to, both me and Larson were able to right-size like our past and our history. And this is like level 301 in this conversation. But again, the the perspective, if you can grasp it, of, um, of how God redeems things. I now have the ability, a unique ability, that if one of my children, my five children that Kate talked about so much, <laughs> in the, the single talk... <laughs> If one of my children experienced something similar to what I've experienced, I now can empathetically say, hey, I get it. And I can be vulnerable with them in that moment to say, I understand. I've been there. Can I tell you what is available on the other side of coming to God? Now, because of my obedience, I have equipped and empowered and enabled myself to parent my children better. Or if it's not your children one day, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your small group. I mean, like, 
when you take that step of obedience and you and you decide to surrender in obedience and, and get in line with his design and his desire, I think what it, it offers to you, the, the redemption part, is it offers you wisdom. Not to look at yourself as damaged goods mm-hmm. and as it's impossible to find now, but yeah. as, wow, I've been there. I I got a past. It ain't fun. And it but now I understand grace and I'm so much more grateful for it because I got a lot of grace that's needed. You know, like that that perspective is available to you if you have crossed those lines before. You're yeah. not ruined. You're not damaged goods. Far from it. No, but man, that that is such a misconception that I think the enemy wants to just drill into people's heads mm-hmm. with shame. All right, this is sort of a follow-up on th- that question, yeah. uh, but in a little bit more of a... Uh, I mean, it's all serious, but this one's a little bit more serious. Okay. Um, and so we had a student who asked about, all right, so when it comes to this area, what about sexual assault? Hmm. What if I've been raped? Um, you know, how, how do those who have been hurt from sexual assault work on moving on with themselves and others and sort of continue this journey? You know, I, I, right. where, where do I go from here? That's so tough. It really is. There's so much pain. There's so much because there's a, there is a, there is a violence that has been done to you. Like, you know, everything I just answered a few minutes ago was like, Hey, you choose not to, but you didn't choose that. That happened to you. That wasn't something that you chose to do. And I think that it gets so much more difficult to navigate. And yet, um, and Kate, you may have better wisdom than me in this. Um, Anytime those moments occur where it just it goes so against everything that you feel like is right. You're like, this is evil. This is bad. This is not good. And I don't understand how it could exist. You start questioning so much. And I think what the enemy in that moment wants to do is that once these things happen to you, is where he wants to take you in your thoughts is to start questioning God and start questioning that he cares for you, start questioning that he loves you, that he's for you, that he sees you. Where was he? Why do you allow it to happen? All those natural questions come up. And I watched a friend go through awful tragedy. And it, and it wasn't, it's not the same, but something happened to his wife that she got super sick. She didn't ask for it. It happened. And when she passed away, during that season, when she was right near the end, he asked someone, or someone asked him, how, how can I help? And his response was, I just need you to remind me of what's true. And I think the more you can anchor to the character of God and how he views you and how he loves you and who he is, it can become this foundation, a rock through those moments as you recover and as you find healing to be able to remember what's true. What's true is not what has been done to you. Like that is not, that does not have to identify you. And yes, there have to be conversations, but at the end of the day, all of the healing that you desire is available to you. So that's the first piece is you need to be reminded of what's true. Now, where you're reminded of what's true is probably the a big piece that I would say is if, if you have any something like that that's happened to you or occurred, I would just heavily recommend going to counseling, talking to a professional, talking to someone who's been trained to navigate conversations like this and to help you unpack and probably get out the shrapnel. You know what I mean? Like when I do something to someone, there's a residual effect to them. Mm-hmm. But whenever a deep violence has been occurred towards you, there is shrapnel embedded deep within 
your past, your memories, your heart that just needs surgery performing. And so if you're going to go to a professional to perform surgery on you, you need to go to a professional to perform surgery on your on your emotions and on your history and on your past. And the best possible place to find that, in my opinion, is in counseling. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, I, it I, crushes me. It just, it hurts my, every fiber of my being that people have to experience that, that well, that is a part of people's stories. Well, I, I just, the fact that, yeah, we have s- students who we see. I know. And, and we, you know, this isn't a very public Sure. area of our, you know our lives you know right. we don't just walk around knowing this about people but there's students that some of you may be listening who this is a part of your story mm. and, and I just as I heard it yeah my heart broke too and I, I just wanted my initial thing is I'm sorry I'm mm. sorry that happened mm-hmm. to you it mm-hmm. should not have happened you do not deserve that nope right yeah and and I think too, if you're wondering, even like if you're like, well, I know that it wasn't as serious as rape or I'm just not sure what category this goes into. I think even then, like Mm -hmm. if you have any doubt or if there's any type of question mark there, like talk to someone, talk to someone, tell them what happened to you, help them or uh, let them help you figure that out. Yeah. What the enemy is going to want to do is make you feel isolated, Mm -hmm. make you feel alone, make you feel like the only one and keep it in the dark because that's where he likes to keep secrets. It's where he likes to keep sin. And the more you get it out in the light, like James 5, 16 says, therefore, brothers, confess your sins to one another that in this way you may find healing. Mm -hmm. Like forgiveness is found through confession to God, but healing is found through confession to other people. There's just some dynamic within humanity where talking to someone about that is the first step to you finding that healing. And all of it is fully there for you. There is nothing, like you just said a minute ago, there is nothing that is irredeemable. And what someone did to you does not um, disqualify you, does not negate anything from you, does not keep you from anything. Yes, there's going to be things to unpack and to get healed from. There's unique scars that you will have that someone else may not have because they don't have that piece in their story. But man, when he, again, when God looks at you, he does not see those scars. He does not see that thing. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are wonderfully made. And you are exactly um, where he is going to want to take you the moment you say yes to trusting him. Hmm. Man, that's good. Someone yeah. need to hear that. I hope mm-hmm. that I hope occurred. Man, I hope that just brought some hope. And if you don't know who to talk to, come talk to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I'm trying I'm on a podcast, you can't see me, but like I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying not to not to let it get to that. Yeah, it it's awful. So come come talk to us. Just find help. We want to help. That's good. All right. Let's move on. Here's a great great question. Um, in light of all we talked about with dating and relationships, how to date well, um, you know, April Farmer, week one, was unbelievable so message about how to date well. Um, they thought there were room mics in there because yeah. she was so they were so loud responding awesome. to her. They've awesome. never done that one. But uh, Kate, Kate, I'll start with you. Uh, how uh, one of our students asked, how do you sort of escape from hookup culture? It feels like you know, <laughs> it's everywhere. Tinder, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, all the apps. I, oh I don't even know them all now. You Were know, you on all the apps? Question. I was not on Tinder. Well, what are they all? I was on Bumble at one point, and I was on Hinge at Got one it. point. I, sure, and I am a fan of dating apps for whatever it's worth. I'm like, this 
you are going to meet someone that right. you would never have the opportunity to meet otherwise. Yeah, it could and be an amazing tool. It's for the sure. language we speak now. A little bit of dating advice. I always say, I'm like, if you don't know that it's a no, then you should go. Okay. Hey. If you're not sure that it is a like hands down no, if there's even a slither of hope go meet that him. this person might be somewhat interesting or at least a good hang, I you should go. Um, escaping the hookup culture. Um, I mean, I think that you have to see yourself as worthy of more than that. Come on. You know, like I, I just feel like a lot of people don't see their worth. Um, and it's pretty easy to subscribe to that culture. I feel like everywhere we turn, it is, I mean, everyone's hooking up and everyone's having sex. And I feel like at one point I was watching several different shows on TV and in every single one of the shows, there was an affair happening, you know, it's very normalized. It's so normalized. It makes me sad. Um, but really like sitting with yourself and deciding like, is, do I want more for my relationship than just this? And is this, it's ultimately the question that I think all three of us really hit on at some point is like, are the, are you the person you're looking for is looking for? It's Mm -hmm. just such a good question to ask because I think if a lot of us are honest with ourselves, like we weren't those people and that is ultimately what led us to change our behavior. But by answering that question, you're like forced to think Mm -hmm. about your type and whether your type would actually even be interested in you. It's very convicting. (laughs) For sure. I did not like that question when I first heard it. It also forces you to realize like, wait, who am I? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the, I always joke around whenever I teach this to younger students. I'm like, the smartest thing that Disney has ever said is when the genie turns into a bumblebee and looks in Aladdin's ear and says, be yourself. Like, there's nothing truer than that in the world. You have five kids. You, I do. Can you tell what we watch <laughs> and listen to? Yeah. All, sing along all day long. Tell us your um, kids without but it's true. I, <laughs> your kids. Thanks, Thanks. Robin Williams. I love the, um, I love what you said tonight about the triggers. Yes. Identify what triggers you. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, you know, if you're asking the question, I'm going to build an assumption. I'm going to assume that you may have dabbled in hookup culture, or maybe it's so prominent and prevalent around you that you're like, I don't even know how to avoid this because it's coming to me from everywhere, right? The, the temptation to do these kinds of things, you don't have to seek them out. They're going to find you. So knowing what the triggers are, is a great way to help yourself avoid that if you don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And if watching Netflix shows yeah. that glamorize and idolize hooking up with someone because they're hot, yeah. if that's a problem for you, don't watch them. Yeah. And if it's a real big problem with you, don't get on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, Get that algorithm fixed. Go find all the cartoon kid shows you can. Just put them on repeat so that the algorithm changes if you need to. Watch but Aladdin. Get, I don't know. Get them off the queue. I mean, legitimately, it's going to find you. The moment I open it up and I'm like, oh, love is blind. That's not about wisdom. That's about taking your clothes off. Like, it's just not It's it's not healthy for your soul, but it's going to be everywhere. And yeah. so knowing where you see it and where it's available and just avoiding those places. And community is everything. Like, right. you're not – if you want to escape – the hookup culture, like you're not just going to arrive there one day. You're not going to wake up and just all of a sudden be there. Like you need a plan. You need a plan on how you're going to get to that place. And I think 
a really effective plan is having people that are also pursuing escaping that hookup culture. Like once you get friends that are on the same track that you are and are cheering you on, Mm -hmm. it's so helpful. It changes everything. It changes literally everything to have people pursuing those things. One thing just to sort of add on, this is another question that we got as well, was, and this is definitely in part of this conversation, is maybe one of the reasons why we feel like hookup culture is a thing is because uh, someone mentioned, hey, there's not actually a lot in the Bible. There's not a lot that God says, that Scripture says, about, like, dating, right? Mm. There's a lot, like you talked about tonight, there's a (laughs) lot about singleness and that, you know, sort of embracing that season and what Paul says in there. And, I mean, Jesus was single, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot, obviously, about marriage. You know, the Bible starts and ends with a marriage. I mean, there's a... Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot of in-between. So hookup culture feels like, is that just how it's supposed to be until I get married? You know, so what would you guys say? How do you, what, what would you say that the the, uh, the parts in Scripture, maybe it doesn't talk specifically about dating, but what principles can we, biblical principles can mm-hmm. we take and say apply that to dating? Because I, uh, obviously the Bible was written thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Culture was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't necessarily dating because you just sort of got married when you were like 13 when you came of adolescence. Right. You know, so in light of sort of our current current context, modern times, let's take some biblical principles and how do you date well? What do you, how do, what do, you do? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't say like, so So here's the steps to dating. Yeah. And here's date number one, what yeah. it should look like. Fellas, pay. <laughs> That's Always. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> my dating not, advice. It's not a thing anymore, homeboy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of advice on how to date. However, um, one of the things that I always put through the like filter or the litmus test of Scripture is anytime you're trying to go to Scripture to see whether or not it's in there and you don't feel like it explicitly, it explicitly says don't do this or you feel like it does say explicitly don't do this, but you're trying to do gymnastics to get around it to make it be like where it might be okay, I would just very much challenge your mindset and your approach to that to say, show me where it's encouraged. It's good. Is it encouraged? If it's not encouraged, quit doing gymnastics to try to make it something Mm -hmm. that you think it might be okay because it's what you want to do. Like Francis Chan one time was like, I'm going to do whatever this book says. This is the divine word of God. This is his inspiration. This is his letter to us. This is what we got. And so if you're worried about, if, what if it's not in it? This is what we got. And if in here it says, Francis Chan, he's a Chinese-American guy, he's a pastor, incredible speaker, like one of the greatest followers of Jesus that has impacted my life. And in this moment he goes, so if in here it says that all Chinese people have to walk on their hands, I don't know how to do that, <laughs> but I'm going to try everything I can to do it because it's what it says in here. And so I think that you get in trouble whenever you try to come up with a, a workaround or a, well, it's not explicit in here. So I guess I can know, yeah. but it is in there. Go read all of Proverbs. There's 31 of them and show me anywhere in there that it encourages you hooking up with people before you're married. Go read any of the words from Paul, any of the letters he writes to any of the churches and anywhere around the Mediterranean rim who are all filled with cultures that are everything against whatever the way of Jesus was. And they over-sexualize everything, and there's multiple like polytheistic worship going on everywhere. Paul is very explicit when he says, multiple times, there are over 25 accounts of talking about sexual immorality. Well, the context of what he means by sexual immorality is, 
experiencing something sexual outside of the design of how God has designed it, which is within marriage. And so does it say don't date? No. It also doesn't talk about pornography. Why? Because pornography wasn't around probably back then. But prostitution was, and sexual immorality was, and adultery was, and lust was. And so your answers are in there. You just might not want to see them. Mm. And I would just see, like, does it encourage this? In here, is it encouraged? If it's encouraged, then you can go for it. Figure it out. Encouraged, right? Within this New Testament, Jesus-built context, where do we see this happening? And I just think that's a, it's a great way to approach the idea of dating. You're going to find all the wisdom you want. Go read the 31 Proverbs. If you see it in there, I mean, you can apply that in any context, any capacity, and you can apply it to your dating. And it's, I guarantee you, you're not going to see in there anyone in Scripture say, so go find the hottest person you can, figure out the fastest way to take their clothes off, enjoy them for a night, lights on, lights off, that's up to you. And in the morning, go find someone else. Mm. That's the opposite of marriage. Why is it the opposite of marriage? Because gravity always wins. <laughs> and I'm not signing up to marry you so I can stare at you the entire time while you look good and you're, up until you're, whenever gravity wins and you get wrinkled. And then I'm like, hmm, this isn't as fun as when you were 22. I'm going to go somewhere else. That is the opposite of God's design. Hookup culture doesn't exist in, the, in Scripture. It doesn't exist in Jesus' design. And you just, you're doing some, some really dangerous gymnastics. You're going to break your neck if you keep going after it that way. Mm. What you think, Kate? What are what are some? I don't know. I think date? anytime someone's like, okay, but like where in scripture? <laughs> I feel like they're looking for like a little bit of a pass. Like maybe they want to do some things, but they're like, well, it doesn't say I can't, you know. <laughs> and and there's scripture. What is the scripture that says like not everything that's permissible is helpful? Yeah, that may be like not a great translation, but essentially, like, are you allowed? Sure. But is it going to be helpful, especially long-term? Right. Probably not. I feel like you've got to think about that. And also, again, I go back to community. Like if you're wondering, hey, if, is this okay? Should we be doing this? Should we not be doing this? Like bounce those questions off of your friends that have some of the same questions. I feel like that's just – it's entirely helpful when you're like have a group of people that you're like, I don't know. I don't know. When you were in your 20s mm. and – single dating navigating this did you have friends around you that if you would have gone up to them and be like hey do you think this is okay they would have been like yeah you should go do it you should totally do that or they would have been like kate are you are you serious like when you talk about you community i think i think about people who are willing to be honest with you yeah yeah who are thinking about your best interests mm. your long-term best interests yeah. they may not they may not have been like Hey, there's this six eight bearded guy who's gonna come along. His name's Dave. You're gonna love him. But they were definitely thinking about your heart in that moment. For and they sure. would never encourage you, like, go sleep around. They're regrets. Who I mean, all of us have them. It's okay. Mm. Like that 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 type of advice isn't gonna come from a good friend, from right. a good community. Yeah. Who are also going after Jesus. You might not not like what they have to hear, but they're saying the hard thing because they love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surround yourself with those people mm-hmm. for sure. What well, one of the things that I took away from from dating when um, dating my now wife is I just found someone a little bit ahead of me, a season ahead of me, mm-hmm. um, and I saw their marriage. I found uh, some f- friends, some older adults in my life that 
I just looked at their marriage and I was like, that's what I want. That's super wise. And I just tried to model my dating relationship with my wife based on what I saw, based on how um, one of my favorite pieces of advice I've ever gotten was never talk poorly about your wife or never talk poorly about the person you're dating mm-hmm. in front of other people. Ever. Like, that's so disrespectful. And at the end of the day, you're just hurting yourself. Right. <laughs> like, that's, that's so true. That's you're so undermining true. yourself. And so, that. Just, yeah, that just that idea of honoring the other person, um, respecting the other person. Um, gosh, I love, I mean, if you, want a, if you want a blueprint for how to date well, I think go back to week one where April Farmer brought mm-hmm. up 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, yeah. Put your name, which she, she said this, put your name in that verse where every time it says love. And if you're that person towards the person you're dating, you're dating well. Mm-hmm. You're dating well. Mm-hmm. And so, man, that's a great question. All right. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up. Any final thoughts for our students based on this topic? Any, any parting thoughts? Mm. <laughs> I, I told y'all when I talked about this in week two, I could do this every week for a year. Like, there's just so much content because this is such an epicenter of so many people's lives, whether they are dating or not, or don't even want to date. Mm-hmm. It takes up so many mental calories in your day in this college age season that there's there's too much to say. Maybe we should do another one, Ben. I don't know. Hey. Right, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see, see what the people say. Kate, any final yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I just... I. I want the students at the living room to just feel encouraged that like wherever they are, God is meeting them there, whether they're in a serious relationship, pursuing marriage, whether that's like on the horizon for them or they are as single as can possibly be. God is meeting them in that very place and they're not off track. They're exactly where they're supposed to be. Mm. Um, And he wants to meet their needs. Like he placed the longings on their heart that they have and, and they should feel confident in that. So good. I mm-hmm. wish I had been more confident in like, okay, I long for this and that is not wrong. That is fine. Mm-hmm. God placed that longing there and I have to trust that he's either going to remove it or he's going to provide it. Um, but it's going to be on his timing. So stay patient. Yeah. I would the, say the best word I think you just said is confidence. Mm. I think in this season, the number one thing that you need to find for yourself and for your future relationship is confidence. Yeah. Because if you draw, if you try to draw that from the person that you're with, again, that's codependency. Yeah. You've got to find out how to be a confident individual as a follower of Jesus. And you find that confidence from him. He becomes the source of your love, your joy, and your peace. I tell couples all the time in premarital counseling, and I say it in their wedding, the person across from you is not the source of your love, joy, and peace. Yeah. They cannot be that. They will not complete you. They cannot complete. Jerry Maguire is a freaking liar. They can't complete you. That's also a dated term. I don't know it's that they're going to know it's who Jerry Maguire is. Uh, Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., show Great me the money. Yeah. So, but like, they, they can't be a completion. They weren't designed to do mm. that. Adam was complete and everything was perfect. And then God was like, but you know what? I think he needs you a need companion. A That's right. You're a companion, not a completion. And so much of that comes from. Knowing your personal confidence, your self-confidence, your self-worth, it doesn't come from the other person. It's like, we didn't talk about this, but all the romanticized movies and stories and books and novels, like The Notebook pisses me off. I'll be very honest. It's a great, like, love, affectionate story, but pisses me off. Like, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. No. (laughs) Are you freaking kidding me? No. If you're a bird, great. Be a bird. I'm a lion. Why? Because that's what Aslan is, and that's what I'm going to be. 
Like, I'm not going to be whatever you want me to be just to meet your need. I'm going to be who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. That's the best version of my life that I can live. And the only way that you can ever be in a relationship where you're able to experience that health is when you have that piece of confidence. Like, the definition, this is the parting thing, the definition of a healthy relationship is two healthy people in a relationship. It's good. That's it. But if you're not individually healthy and individually confident, you're just going to step into an unhealthy situation where then the other person is probably also unhealthy and you're just going to continue to devolve down and it's never going to be what you're actually looking for. So good. That'll preach. It will. Matt's got all those one-liners. I love them. I love them. They're memorable. That's be why a I lion, so Matt. I, yeah. Oh, man. That, when I saw that movie, oh, geez. Don't, don't even get me started. Well, hey, thanks for everyone uh, for listening. And, and thanks. If you submitted one of these questions, thank you so much for just being vulnerable. I mean, they were anonymous. We didn't yes. know who submitted them. Um, but, you know, we're that is a grateful. really vulnerable place to be. Um, and if we didn't get to yours, sorry about it. Maybe we will do a part two of this little dating <laughs> Q&A. But, hey, we love you guys so much. Uh, we love TLR. We love getting to lead with you guys. And um, we can't wait to see you in a couple weeks because next week we'll have TLR at home, so we won't see you. So go to a watch party, hang out with your group, hang out with your community. But we'll see you in two weeks for our new series called The S Word. Woo! And thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, can't wait. It's going to be good. See you, (laughs) TLR.